الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة وسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فأما بعده as we were speaking and I was explaining to you in the first session the seerah is important because the seerah is the foundation on which Islam is built everything in Islam is rooted in the seerah Without the seerah, there is, the rest of Islam is not there. The fundamental belief in Islam, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guard my tongue, the fundamental belief in Islam is not that Allah is one, but that Muhammad is truthful, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was not truthful, then whether Allah is one or not, we don't know. The Sidq of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the truthfulness of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, according to me, is the first and most fundamental belief of Islam, after which comes everything else. Because we believe that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam spoke the truth, we believe la ilaha illallah. Because we believe Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam spoke the truth, we believe that that Kalam which he recited as the kalam of Allah is Allah's kalam and that which he mentioned as his own teaching is his own teaching which is not the kalam of Allah but it is an explanation of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the reason why you must know Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We believe in Rasulullah as the last and final messenger, the last and final Rasul, the last and final Nabi after whom Nubuwat and Risalat is over, finished, khalas. If anyone claims to be a Nabi or Rasul after Muhammad passed away, then we deny that claim and that claimant is false, that claim is not true. Whoever the claimant might be. We believe him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We believe in him and we believe him. We believe in him because we believe him. We accept that the Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we accept that whatever he recited and told us is the kalam of Allah, is the kalam of Allah. We accept his word as the law. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَقُضُوهُ وَمَا أَنْحَاكُمْ وَمَا نَحَاكُمْ أَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Whatever Rasulullah gives you, take it. Whatever he stops you from, stop. It's a blanket statement. It is a statement that tells us that the lawgiver by the Permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bismillahi ta'ala, is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We practice Islam by doing what he did. We do what he did, we do not do what he did not do or what he told us not to do. And that is the meaning of practicing of Islam. So if somebody says, what is Islam? We say, it is whatever Rasulullah sallallahu did. Short answer, what is Islam? The life of Muhammad And we know the hadith of Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqa where somebody came and said to her, please tell me about the life of Rasulullah She said, do you not read the Quran? He said, yes, of course I read the Quran. She said, that was the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So Rasulullah therefore was the living embodiment of the Quran. He was the walking and talking Quran. His life is the seerah, his seerah of Rasulullah is the tafsir of the Quran. If you want to know the meaning of an ayat, you look in the seerah for that meaning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned tawheed. You want to understand what is tawheed, look in the life of Muhammad sallallahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned tawakkul. You want to know what is tawakkul, look in the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The life of Muhammad is a guidance for all of mankind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu called Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa as his ni'mah on the believers. There are many ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a ni'mah. The whole of Islam is a ni'mah. But Allah specifically mentioned and called ni'mah who? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when I say that I don't mean that the Quran is not the ni'mah, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said he is the ni'mah. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَسَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا إِذْ بَعَسَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُوا لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Verily and truly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has conferred a ni'mah, a great favor on the believers, men and women. And what is that favor? Two favors. One, that he sent among them a messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was from among themselves. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had sent a messenger who was not from amongst us. If he had sent a, a, one of the malak from one of the angels. Or he had sent some other creature. Or he had sent some person also human being. But from some other part of the world. It would not have been the same as raising someone from among the same people. So Allah said Allah has blessed you. In these two amazing ways, one that he sent you a messenger and that messenger is from amongst you. Min al-fuzi. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, said four things that Allah sent Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for. To recite for them the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To recite for the people whatever Allah revealed on him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa yuzakkihim. To purify them. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ And to teach them the kitab of Allah. Which is the kitab of Allah? That which was already recited. Because يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ Which ayat? The ayat of the kitab of Allah. So reflect on this. If the ayat have already been recited of the kitab of Allah, being recited to people who are sahibul lughat, who are the people of that language, What is there to teach? What does it mean? It means that there is something to teach. Otherwise Allah would not have said also teach separately as a separate thing. The teaching of the kitab is not understood in terms of the tilawat of the kitab. Specific mention, very clear. Tilawat is separate, learning is separate. And in between the two is yuzakihim. We will see why. Purification. Between the tilawat and the teaching is the purification. Wal-hikmah. And the wisdom. The demonstration, the amal. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reiterated and said, Before this, before what? Before the coming of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi these people, all of humanity, were in clear and manifest error. So what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is Allah saying? The four critical roles of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One is yatlu alayhi mayatihi. To recite the kalam which was sent to him. Reciting the kalam is informing the people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said aqibu salah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us. Allah says aqibu salah. That's it. Second one. Prepare. Which is to purify. Yuzakki him. Aqimu salah. I am ready to pray. What must I do? Go make wudu. If you need to make ghusl, go make ghusl. What is the meaning of wudu? This is the meaning of wudu. This is how it is to be done. What is the meaning of ghusl? This is what ghusl is. This is how it is to be done. What makes wudu liable? These are the things which make wudu liable. What makes ghusl liable? These are the things which make ghusl liable. What about your clothes? Are they pure? 
What is the meaning of pure? I've got, I've, I'm a mechanic, I've been working on my car and, or, or some car and then I've got some oil on my uh, clothes. Am I pure or, or impure? I'm a shepherd, I've been grazing sheep and so on. I've been, I sat on the ground, uh, there is some dust on my clothes. Maybe there are some stains of grass and so on on my clothes. Am I pure or impure? I was riding an animal, the sweat of the animal is on my clothes. My own sweat is on my clothes. It's a hot day. I've been sweating profusely. If you come near me, you can smell my sweat. Am I pure or impure? Who must tell us all this? Reflect on this deen. This deen is not a joke. We have to make effort. We make effort over things which we consider important. My dear friend and Ustad in photography, Ismail, I saw him somewhere. Is he here? Ah. He just returned from Mongolia. And he was there for 19 or 20 days. It took him two days to get to Mongolia. It took him two more days to come back from Mongolia. In Mongolia, he was living in a tent. All this effort he made. He spent money for it. Why? May Allah give him Jannah. But is Jannah guaranteed? If you go to Mongolia, you get Jannah? But Jannah is guaranteed if you come down one flight of stairs for Salatul Fajr. He does it. I'm not saying he doesn't do it. But I'm saying that this is the meaning of Islam. The meaning of Islam is not to play around games and you know. What, what you like to do, you will spend time and money and energy and get tired in it and get exhausted in it and enjoy it. But when it comes to building ta'aluk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are tired and you are exhausted and you can't get up and you can't this and you can't that. Inna lillahi wa inna lillahi What does that say about the state of our iman? So, preparing, purification, why must you purify? Imagine seed. The best seed you are planting, say a field of wheat. You've got this absolutely fantastic best seed in the world. And somebody says, well here is this land belongs to you. So what do you do? You go and scatter the seed? You got the seed, you got the land. So why not scatter it? Exactly. Unless you purify, unless you first work on the soil, you plow the soil, you furrow the soil, you break the clods, you take out the, uh, the thorns and the stones and so on, you test the pH value of the soil. If it is too acidic, you put lime. If it is too uh, alkaline, you put, uh, you know, uh, the, the things to increase the acidity of the soil. You do all of that. You see whether there are any microbes. You see if there are any 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 uh, kinds of pathogens in the soil. You treat the soil. Once that soil is clean and pure and safe for the seed, then you plant the seed. If you don't do that, if you simply scatter the seed, then what will happen? The seed will die. It will not grow because you didn't. Prepare the soil. So very important for us to understand this. That the preparation. And that is what yuzakki him. And then. Yuallimuhumul kitab. So aqimus salah. Allah's hukum. I am ready to pray. What must I do? Purify. I have purified. I have come. Now how must I pray? What is the meaning of prayer? Should I stand on my head? Very important. Understand this thing. How must I pray? Who taught us this? As I explained to you, the hadith where Rasulullah said, Sallu kamara ayatumuni usalli. There's kids like this. Little children who used to be around Nabi Sallallahu Anas bin Malik who we mentioned was a little boy. And his mother brought him and handed him over to Nabi Sallallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, he will serve you. 
Anad Bimarik says, I served Rasulullah for 10 years. He said, I lived with him. He would tell me, do this, do that, I would do it. Sometimes I would forget, sometimes I would do the wrong thing. But never once did he, I mean, abuse me, beat me, all this is of course not even imaginable. He did not even, he said he did not even show anger in his face. Even the facial expression did not change because this boy who is supposed to serve me is doing all kinds of magic. kitab. So what is Salah? The whole issue of Salah. The Matha'il of Salah. How do I start from there? What is the next step? The next step? The next step? How do I end? If something goes wrong in between, what is the Sahu? What must I read in the Salah? What must I not do in Salah? All the Matha'il. Wal Hikmah. The wisdom behind it. Which also includes demonstrating of the Salah. That's why Rabbi Sallallahu said, Sallu kama raayitumuni usalli. Say raayitumuni. As you saw me. Pray as you saw me pray. Obviously he was not just demonstrating without speaking. So he would have spoken and so on. He didn't say pray as I told you to pray. No. Pray as Allah told you to pray. No. Pray as you see me. As you have seen me praying. So there is an element of demonstration. Ya Rasulullah, how must we do this? This is how you must do it. Ya Rasulullah, how must we do wudu? This is how you must do wudu. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi demonstrated wudu by doing wudu. And this is what he did with everything. Now, point is, <coughs> these four critical roles, what must we do when there is the recitation of the Quran? We must listen and we must understand. This is one of the biggest uh, calamities that has befallen us, which we have chosen for it to befall us, which is that we have discounted the importance of understanding the meaning of the Quran. It's a completely insane thing, totally illogical, totally insane that we believe that just mouthing the words without understanding amounts to reading. May Allah give you the reward for it. I don't care. It's not coming from my, 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 from my pocket. But my point is that, is that, does anyone with half a brain, can you accept and understand, is this why Allah sent the kalam? Is this why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Nabi? Is this why he did all this nuzul of the Quran? So that you can mouth some, make some sounds and call it reading. You have no clue what you have said. You have no clue what Allah said. You have no clue what you must do or not do. You are just making some noise and you think this is recitation. Inna lillahi wa inna lillahi Remember, we don't do this with anything else. That is why there is no effect of the kalam of Allah. Hmm? Think about this. If somebody curses you, if somebody curses you, somebody calls you a donkey or somebody calls you a dog, yeah, man's best friend, but it's not in our culture. A dog is supposed to be a curse. What happens to you? Does anything happen to you? Of course it happens to you, right? You get angry. Why are you angry? Are you a donkey? Maybe the man never saw, saw a donkey before. So he thinks you are a donkey. So take a picture of a donkey. Put it, this is a donkey, this is me. No, do I look the same? Why is there an effect on you when somebody has lied? He called you a donkey, you are not a donkey. He called you a dog, you are not a dog. So why are you angry? He lied, right? He's not speaking the truth. He's lying. That lie has an effect on you. Why? Because you understood what he said. That's all. Nothing else. You know it is a lie. You know it is false. But you understood what he said. So it creates an effect on you. How tragic it is. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to us and it has no effect on us. Allah says, Where are you going? What do we do? We say, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ Sahar Maharaj Is a question being asked? Re- reply to it? How can the reply to a question be the same question? 
will you deny how have you become like this that you deny rabbikal karim your rab who is karim what is the answer allah ask you a question afala yatadabbaruna alquran am ala qulubin aqfaluha allah said don't they do they not reflect on the quran allah did not say don't they don't they read the quran no do they not recite the quran no yatadabbaruna alquran tadabbur ala kalamillahi taala What is the answer? Alam ya alam bi anna Allah yara. Allah is saying, does he not know that Allah is watching? What is the answer? That is the meaning of. We are only on the first point. What must we do when the kalam of Allah is recited before us? What must we do when we read the kalam of Allah? We are only there. We haven't even gone beyond this. Only one first point. First and foremost, take the time and pain and energy to understand it. And anytime you feel there is too much time and pain and trouble, then think about all the other stuff you do, your hobbies, your holidays. I'm not even talking about your careers. Hobbies and holidays. Go and do your sums. Total up in the last one year, how many, how much money did you spend on holidays? Compared to how much money you gave in, you gave in charity. We have to get real in life. Believe me, this 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 kind of you know fantasy that we are living is not going to last. The time will come. But we will not even know it. We will not know. Nobody around us will know. But the time to go, and that's it. And when you got to go, you got to go. Period. Then what do you do? Second, purification. What must we do? Submit. Correct ourselves. Islah. I mentioned to you only the external purification. The wudu and the ghusl and the clothes and the place. But there is internal purification. What must I do, do with my heart? My heart is filled with hatred. It is filled with uh, jealousy. It is filled with envy. It is filled with all kinds of khurafat and khabasat. What must I do with this heart? You want to take this garbage, garbage bin before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We have to clean the heart, make tawbah, make istighfar, go and make amends to the people that you have wronged. Humility and humbleness, heart is full of arrogance, oh I am so and so, I am this, I am that. Although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions all of these people in the Quran, who, who were all, who, everyone, I mean the Quran, Firaun and Karun and Shaddad and Aman and Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab, all of them. And Allah told us what happened to them. But we compete with that. This is my house, this is my car, this is that, this, that. La hawla illa billah. Internal purification and external purification. Third thing, instruction. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given the instruction. Yu'allimuhumul kitab. Teach them the book. What must you do? Come and learn. He was not told, go chase them around and find them and, you know, lasso them and tie them down. No. Teach them. The Ustad is responsible for teaching those who come to him. If they come to him and he does not teach them, that is his lack of responsibility on his part. But if they don't come to him, the responsibility is not his. It's their responsibility that they did not take the trouble to go and learn. 
what do we understand from the sira what did the sahaba do they gave up their careers working in the fields one day one person would work the next day the other person would work the next the, the, the alternate days they would go and sit with nabi sallallahu sayyidina umar bin, bin khattab radhiyallahu and his ansari partner this is what they would do so one day sayyidina umar would be working in the fields and his ansari brother would go and be in the company of sayyidina sallam then he would come back in the night and sayyidina umar has worked the whole day this ansari has been sitting with nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam the whole day he comes back in the night and he does this entire dars which he learned there he will teach to umar ibn al khattab radhiyallahu anhu before he goes to sleep so how many how many hours a day is that allah knows best and the next day they do the same this is how the sahaba learned they didn't believe me we have reached the stage where even where somebody else makes all the effort calls you in a place which is air conditioned and carpeted and all kinds of comforts and feeds you samosa and tea and says please come and listen you can't do that inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi rajiun the sahaba paid for it in pain Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam never charged money to anybody but in effort they left their homes they left their businesses they came to learn because we have no value for the learning the learning does not help us the sahaba had value for the learning so the learning helped them you only bought the kitab wal hikmah and then what do you do apply that apply that on yourself so four critical roles and four critical responses so i learned how to do salah now what must i do do salah make sure that no salah is ever left forget excuses nobody is interested your excuse does not change reality How many of you? Many of you, I, I see here people who travel. How many of you missed a flight because you fell asleep? I couldn't wake up. What to do? I have to go to America. I got to go. I have 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 to go. So why must we study the sirah? Because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala sent Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as an example for all of mankind. Number one. Number two. As I mentioned earlier, before several times, since Islam is the way of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we must know what is that way, so that we can follow this way. Who can I ask a remote? And third. because we need to build a relationship with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because we need him in the akhirah so three things i'm telling you one is we must study the sirah because allah gave us nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the best example for us to emulate him number two because the sirah is the means by which we can follow our religion there's no other way we have to follow the, we have to do what nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam did so we must know what he did and number three is because he is the intercessor inshallah for us his shafa his shafaat we need and therefore we have to build our own connection with him sallallahu alaihi wasallam now the dalail for this number 1 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said laqad kana lakum fi rasulillah uswatun hasana liman kana yarju allah wal yawmal akhira wa zakara allah kathira see this ayat very beautiful ayat of the quran where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said indeed in the messenger of allah in rasulullah fi rasulillah in the messenger of allah meaning in his life in his personality in his habits in his akhlaq in every way in that you have a good example the best example to follow right now for whom yarju allah wal yawmal akhirah Think about this. Read the Quran. 
about the day of judgment allah subhanahu wa taala has always described the day of judgment in terms which are very frightening alhaqatum alhaqa alqariyatum alqariya ha yawma yafirru almar'u min akhihi wa ummihi wa abihi wa sahibatihi wa wani allah subhanahu wa taala described the day of judgment in very terrifying terms iza zulzilat alardu zilzalaha wa akharajat alardu athqalaha fa qala al insanu ma laha what is happening allah described the day of judgment in very frightening terms everywhere here allah is saying the one who looks forward to that yarjullah who wants to meet allah wal yawm al akhira who wants to go on the wants to be in this day can it happen quickly please how do you join these two things who will want a day where it is so full of terror except the one who knows that this terror will not apply to me on that day i will be safe on that day i will be kept safe from this terror only that person who wants to meet someone except the one who expects something good from that person nobody wants to meet somebody where you feel a threat you may have to meet i mean in this case there is no choice anyway but wanting is something else and willy nilly going there is something else that's not in my power well you know i have to go i have to go but here is no no i want this as quickly as possible this is the description of the moment this is the description of the one who spent his whole life trying to please allah subhanahu wa taala and now when the time comes for him to meet allah he says inshallah mustaan this meeting will be very good the best day of my life is the day when i will meet my rabb jalla jalaluhu inshallah may allah give it to all of us inshallah yarjullah wal yawm al akhir the one who wants to meet allah subhanahu wa taala for him death is nothing it's not frightening it's something he's looking forward to it's not about not a question of being suicidal or morbid we are talking about somebody who wants to meet allah subhanahu wa taala and only the one who has been obedient to allah only the one who has been following the sunnah of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam what is the meaning of sunnah of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam that is another name for the obedience of allah if someone says what is the obedience of allah what do you tell him it is the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what other way is there is there some other way which is obedience of allah other than the sunnah it does it exist it doesn't exist obedience of allah means the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam So the one who has been living his life or her life on the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this is the person who will look forward to the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa taala and the day of judgment. Because for that person, the day of judgment is not a day of punishment; it is a day of reward. Where do I get my jannah? On the day of judgment. So what do I want? My farm in Vikarabad uh, or my? <laughs> my farm in Jannatul Firdaus. Yarjullah wal yawm al akhir. And that person, what does he do? Zakar Allah kathira. He remembers Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala constantly. There's no ghaflat in his life. That person, man or woman, is constantly remembering Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So see the beauty of. following the sira and the sunna of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam second thing allah subhanahu wa taala said qul in kuntum tuhibbuna allaha fattabi'uni yuhibbukumullahu wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum wallahu ghafurur rahim the first one we say this is the best example so follow it it's good for you inshallah almustaan this will get you rewards the second one is something which is superlative to that one is to love allah to obey allah and be rewarded for that but what is superlative to that for allah to love you i can claim to love allah subhanahu wa taala but do i know whether allah loves me or not i don't know allah said no no i will remove this mystery you will know you will know if i love you or not how will i know i will love you if you are following my nabi 
if you are making ittiba of my nabi i do not love you if you are not making ittiba of my nabi say to them o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam say to the mankind say to those who claim to love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you really love allah emulate me imitate me remember he is not saying obey me not saying atiullah he is saying ittiba of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam fattabiuni do not say atiunni atiunni is understood obey me yes of course What is the difference between itaat and ittiba? For you to obey, there must be an order, right? How can there be obedience in the absence of an instruction? There has to be an instruction first. Then comes the question of obedience or disobedience. I request you to do something for me. You do it or you don't do it. But if I have not requested anything. I have not asked you to do anything, and I am saying no. You are not obeying me. What will you say? You didn't tell me anything. How do you say I am not obeying you? You never told me anything. Obedience requires an instruction. What is imitation? What is emulation? Why do these these boys have these funny haircuts? I mean, the ones sitting here don't have it, but why do they have the funny haircuts? they following somebody there some coot who has this funny haircut so you go and spend money and do that why do muslim men shave their beards but seriously you imitate somebody somebody put it into your head that this is the sign of the well groomed man that he must shave his face now i'm Please distinguish between a, a dadi and a jhadi. I mean, they, I'm not talking about jhadis. Have a beard, by all means, uh, you know, trim it and and. But shaving, where did we get this from? Somebody. This is what is called cultural indoctrination, cultural slavery, mental indoctrination, the, the mental slavery. We have been conditioned to believe. that the culture of a certain guy of a certain people who are the within quotes master race is what we should follow just do one thing when you go from here go and find some pictures there are some wonderful line drawings and various things of india in the british days so before before british uh, mogal period and so on see the pictures of all the maharajas of all the states in punjab and gujarat and rajasthan every single one had a big beard he used to wear a turban they all wore long robes find me one picture of a maharaja in shorts find me one find me one picture of a maharaja without a beard why did they do that because then the master race was you in those days the master race was the muslims and this is how the muslims dressed when guru nanak started uh, sikhism he prescribed a dress for his people for the men what did he prescribe a turban beard long kurta the undergarment the the the, 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 the trousers above the ankles and a sword or a dagger whose dress was this for the women what did he say loose clothes cover your head he called the man singh and he called the woman kaur and today to this day what do you call a, what do you call a sikh sardar who is a sardar leader sardar is the one who gives the hukum and you don't you are not content with saying sardar is a sardar ji huh? respect respect for whom respect for the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam even when it is done by those who do not believe in muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam same sikh many of them do that nowadays they have also become you know modern like you 
So they shave and they they call him Munda, they call him Kat Sardar, they call him all kinds of names. I mean, they, and because you don't know who he is. I mean, he is like anybody else. So I mean, let us learn. I mean, this is the whole point of, of reading history and sociology. Learn from this. The one who emulates is demonstrating his love for the standard. Whatever standard he is emulating. When you are emulating somebody, whether it's a rock star or a pop star or a football star, and nowadays there doesn't seem to be a difference between any of them. Whoever you are emulating, you are demonstrating your love for that person. Take small children. Little children. See how they walk and almost always you will find that if they are boys, then they imitate their fathers. It's like the same father who is shrunk now, he is like two feet tall and you know, he is exactly the same way. Because this is the effect of the elder. They love the father, they look up to the father. My question is, we claim to love Muhammad sallallahu So what do we do with him, sallallahu How is it you are going to go into your cover and you will be presented and you will be shown Muhammad sallallahu and they will say, who is this man, what is this man to you? And you are going to say, I used to follow him. And the angel will do this. Really? Eh? Allah, seriously, ask yourself, what is this? How long do you want to live like this? It's not about facial hair. It's not about beard. It's not about, I'm not trying to open a hajami dukan. It's about the being true to your word. If you say that you love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, show it. Not enough to say. Show it. And then what is the reward? Eh? Reward Allah says, I will love you. Think about this. Allah is not saying, I will give you Jannah. Allah is not saying, I will give you so much sawab. Allah is not saying, Allah is saying, I will love you. Yuhbibkumullah. Allah will love you. What is the meaning of Allah loving me? me? What does it mean? Take this as your homework. Go home today. Sit down peacefully, leave all your, you know, accoutrements. Sit by yourself and imagine this thing. Allah loves me. So now what? The first, the most significant, the most, the simple, smallest thing is, if Allah loves me, what will happen? Allah will forgive my sins. If Allah loves me, what will happen? If I make a dua, Allah will answer. Allah will give me. If Allah loves me, يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ رَحِيمٌ First thing, Allah loves me. So, two points. One, best example. Two, emulation, what happens. Third point, the shafa'at of Rasulullah his intercession. And this is the dalil from the Quran. Allah said, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَحَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةَ لَكْ عَسَىٰ أَنْ يَبْعَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا Specific to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Tahajjud which is mentioned here is for all of us, alhamdulillah. But, يَبْعَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا is for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in some part of the night also pray. Which is tahajjud. And your Rabb will raise you to maqamam mahmuda. And what is this maqamam mahmud? This is the maqam of Highest station, how does one describe these things? I, I, mean, I really don't have the words to describe. But this is the highest station on the day of judgment where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to Muhammad sallam. And then his dua will be accepted and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make him our intercessor. We ask Allah to put in his heart to make dua for us to be forgiven and to be given Jannah inshallah. 
Please understand that intercession is true. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari narrated from Rasulullah sallam. This hadith where he said the people will fall on their knees on the day of resurrection, each nation following his prophet saying, Oh, so and so intercede until intercession is granted to Rasulullah And on that day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect him to a station of praise and glory. It's a long hadith. Rasulullah said on the day of judgment, you're not talking about punishment. You're talking about the conditions of the day of judgment. And this is the arm condition for everyone. May we ask Allah to protect us even from this. Nabi said, the sun will be at a height of one spear height. And he said, people will be immersed in their own sweat. Depending on the sins that they committed. And he went on to say some people will have sweat up to their ankles. Others will have sweat up to their knees. Others will have sweat up to their waist. Others will have sweat up to here, up to their necks. And some will be up to here drowning in their own sweat. Depending on the kind of sins and number of sins that they committed. And in this time of huge stress and taklif and, and trouble, people will go to their Nabi and they will say, please ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to start the nizam, to start the hisab. And if Allah wants to put us in Jahannam, we are ready to go to Jahannam. And Rasulullah said that they will say it because they have not seen Jahannam. They think this is trouble. They have not seen Jahannam. And they will go from Nabi to Nabi to Nabi to Nabi to Nabi. And it's a long hadith where they will go to Adam salam and then they go to Nuh salam and so on and so forth. And finally they come to Isa salam and every Nabi will say, Today the Jalal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such that I cannot speak before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And each Nabi will send them to the next Nabi. Adam salam will send them to Nuh alayhi salam. Nuh alayhi salam will send them to Ibrahim alayhi salam and so on. Until they come to Isa alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam will say today. They will say, yeah Isa, this is a beautiful hadith. It's related. They talk to the, they talk to the Nabi. They praise the Nabi. They talk about the uh, special uh, inam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From Musa alayhi salam they will say, Allah used to speak to you. You are Kalimullah. Ibrahim alayhi salam they will say, you are Khalilullah. Isa alayhi salam, they will say, you, you are Ruhullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you without a father, directly you are, a, you are one of the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this they will say, but every Nabi will refuse. They say, no, the Jalal of Allah today is such that I cannot speak before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until they come to Isa alayhi salam, and Isa alayhi salam will say the same thing. He says, I cannot speak before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So all of humanity, from the first one created to the last one, will come to Rasulullah and they will say, Ya Rasulullah, please make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to set up the mizan and to start the hisab. Rasulullah said, I will go into sujood. Allah will decree that I make sajda to him before his arsh. He said, I will be in sujood and I will remain in sujood as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes. And he said, during this sajda, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make ilham. He will inspire me. He will put the words in my heart to praise him and glorify him in a way that has never been done by any of creation until that moment. And he said, after I have done that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Irfar asakaya Muhammad. Allah will say, raise your head, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ask and it will be given. Intercede and your intercession will be accepted. And he said, so then I will raise my head and say, Ya Rab, my Ummah. Ya Rab, my Ummah. Ya Rab, my Ummah. And it will be said, admit those among your Ummah who are not to be brought to account through the right hand gate of Jannah. So those who are going to be entered into Jannatul Firdaus, Bighayri Hisab will be entered specially from one particular gate. Others will also enter Jannah after Hisab and though they will share the other gates of Jannah 
to enter Jannah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who will enter Jannah bi ghayri hisab insha'Allah and the final hadith I want to uh, end today's uh, lecture with that because time get the time for Isha this Maghrib to Isha is very short is the hadith of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri who reported from Nabi Sallallahu he said, by the one in, in whose hand is my soul, none of you can be more insistent in asking Allah to restore his rights against his opponents <coughs> than the believers who will ask Allah on the day of judgment to grant them the power of intercession for their brothers who are in the fire. He's comparing it to people who are asking for justice. You know, you say, yeah, I, I must have justice. Give me haq. Nabi said, the ones who will do that the most are not actually asking for justice. They are saying, Ya Allah, give me the power to intercede. Who will you intercede for? Ya Allah, they used to fast with us. Who? I don't see my brother here. Maybe he is in Jahannam, but he used to fast with us and he used to pray with us and he used to perform Hajj with us. I don't see him here. Ya Allah, give me the power, intercede. Ya Allah, please. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send them and say, go into the hellfire and bring out whoever you recognize. And the Jahannam, the fire of Jahannam will be forbidden to, to touch them. And Nabi Sallallahu said they will bring out many people. And that is why Imam Ibn al-Qaim al and others, they said to their friends, they said if you go into Jannah and you do not find me there, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me. And tell Allah, oh Allah, there was this man who used to remind us about you. There was this man who used to tell us about you. We do not find him here. Ya Allah, please get him here. That is the reason why you must have good friends. Because you must have some friend who gets to Jannah first so that he can ask for you. Yeah? So my request to all of you is, please make this dua for me, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. <coughs> and finally, Salatul Janazah itself is intercession. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if a person dies, a Muslim dies, and 40 people who do not make shirk, please understand this, this is very important. So all of these great state funerals who are attended by all the scoundrels of the world, they are useless. 40 people who do not associate with Allah, they pray the Janazah for that person, but Allah will accept their intercession for him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept Salatul Janazah is dua and this dua Allah will accept and give Jannah to that person and obviously it means here that even if the person didn't do all that you know great things but the key is there should not be any shirk so if the person who died is a mushrik the dua is not accepted the people praying are mushrikin dua is not accepted so shirk must not be there either in the person who passed away or in the people who made dua. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept your coming and to be pleased with you and never to be displeased and make this a source of khair and barakah for you. Tomorrow the class begins at 11 a.m. So please come, inshallah. And uh, bring all those other people today who uh, sent you instead of coming. So bring them also, inshallah. Jazakallah khair wa salam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.